Great. Uh, that's most people back in. We'll make a start. I'm sure we want to express our gratitude to the people who served us and to Jeremy for making us some lovely crepes. So we, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, okay, for this next session, if you look in your folders, there are two things you will need. You'll see a handout much shorter than Paul's uh, on digging deep in Haggai. Um, so you'll need that split into three sessions. And there's also folded over a, an A3 printout of the whole text of Haggai. Now, depending on when you signed up or if you signed up, you may or may not have that A3 printout of Haggai. Uh, so you might just need to open it up in the Bible, so that's fine, but you will find this useful if you can get one in front of you for what we're going to do. Oh, everyone has a printout, but not everyone has an A3. Great. Thank you, Erin. Um, excellent. Digging deep in Haggai, then, you'll see on the timetable, we're going to do this in three sessions. And on the next slide, you will see that we will split our time into three sections. There we go. Um, we'll do some solo study. We'll take these manuscripts of Haggai away and we'll read them ourselves. We'll do some group discussion based on what we've been reading. And then we'll debrief. I'll share some thoughts with you. Uh, and uh, we'll share what we all, we've all thought. I want it to be interactive. Rather than me teaching Haggai, what the aim of digging deep is to see that God does speak to us through his word just as we read it closely. Uh, without going to the Hebrew, without opening a commentary, we can mine a lot just from closely reading and listening to God's word. And the aim of digging deep is to show us that that's something that we can do at any time in the Christian life. Uh, and uh, we do have the toolkits that we need if we just have God's word open in front of us and a few questions to mull on, a few things to look at, then we can hear a lot of what God is saying to us through any part of his word. Next slide, kind of foundational thing about the Bible. I was talking to some of you guys about this last night. Uh, God doesn't speak directly to us through his word. God was speaking to people back then. So in the book of Haggai, that was written to a particular people group at a particular time. He's speaking to them, but then he's speaking to them for us. Uh, second Peter says that, that is it first or second Peter? I can't remember. It's either 1 Peter 2 or 2 Peter 1, that the prophets were written for the New Testament believer. I think it's first Peter, isn't it? Um, it's 2 Peter. There you go. 2 Peter 1, uh, the prophets were written for us. And we can lump in all of the scriptures as well. The Bible was written to people then, then, but it's for us. God speaks to us through it today as we understand what he was saying to the first hearers. So the next slide then, the aim of digging deep, over the next three days in three sessions, there are three questions that we are going to ask and answer. What was God saying to them then? What was the message for the original hearers in the book of Haggai? What is God therefore saying to us today? And then how will we respond to that? What was he saying to them then? What's he saying to us today? How do I respond? How do I apply that? And then next slide. Today, then, we're focusing just on that first question. What was God saying to them then in the book of Haggai? 
Now, to do that, what we're going to do is we will take these handouts and our printouts of Haggai. I'm going to suggest, you don't have to do this, but we've left tables up at the back if you want to go and sit there, because I'm going to encourage you to scribble down, to underline, highlight things on the text. You will see that there are questions for you to mull on to guide that time. So we're going to spend half an hour just closely reading Haggai by ourselves in solo study and uh, working through some of these questions. And then we'll come back at 10 to 1 and we'll debrief together, okay? Uh, so a bit of solo study, half an hour. If you've got some headphones, whap them in, get the lo-fi beats on. Uh, but read Haggai and just have a go at mulling over it, working through the questions on handout one. And then 10 to 1, I'll call us back together and we'll debrief. Okay, uh, let's come back together. Please do come and join me again at the front. We'll do some debriefing before lunch. Uh, what do we make of Haggai? We fans? Yeah, all right. Would recommend? Good. That's reassuring. Uh, I'm going to try and note down some of the main questions that we have. I'm not going to promise that we'll answer all of them over the next few days, uh, because I can't probably answer all of them, but just good to know where our heads are at. So what were some of the big questions that we had after our first couple of readings? Just uh, throw them out. Bible hadn't yet been written. Excellent question. Uh, that's a great start. I'm a very slow writer. We're going to be here a long time. Um, any other questions to build on that? stuff. Uh, what was that reference, Tom? Sorry. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, why does God ask these questions? What's going on there? Brilliant. Other big questions? Kieran? Signet ring. I was wondering how long it would take for that to come up. Great. Signet ring, what is going on there? Uh, anything else? Daniel? Three month gap, yeah. Right, yes, we had that chat in my group as well. Uh, why Zerubbabel, definitely writing Z uh, rather than the whole thing, instead of Joshua, J. Good. Any other questions? Mm, yeah. 
Mm, yeah, so God makes these grand promises, obviously by Jesus' day, that haven't seemed to be fulfilled. What's actually going on? When do we see these fulfilled? Great. Any more for any more? Shake, shake, shake. What? If you want insight into my shorthand, that's what I've just written. Good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Are there two shakes going on? Are they the same? Brilliant. Okay, shaking, signet rings, sacrifice, and lots of other stuff that doesn't start with S. Um, unless there's any other burning ones. Alistair? Different names for the Lord. Great. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. As I say, I will not promise we'll answer all of these. Hopefully we'll see enough going through to at least begin to answer some of these things. Um, and also hopefully we'll see by Wednesday that even without answering exhaustively every question that we have, we'll still be able to mine a lot of meaning and application from the text without complete understanding, which I'm sure will be helpful. Um, does anyone want to have a go at guessing, or maybe even not guessing, does anyone have any thoughts on exactly where we are in the book of Haggai? What's the historical situation of God's people? Does anyone have ideas about that? Yep. Okay. Great. So that's that's good. So during the Persian Empire, how did you get that? Darius. Yeah. So that's one of the first things. This is all taking place in the second year of Darius or Darius, depending on how you pronounce it. The king. Some of us still think of Darius as a pop singer from the early noughties. Others don't. That's fine. Uh, in the second year of Darius the king. So we're in Persian territory, uh, and as this group have said, we are. In a, in a place in Bible history, which is after not only the exile, we're familiar with that, I think, going to Babylon, God's people carried away into exile. This is after they've returned to the land, and the dominant power of the day is the Persian Empire, of which Darius is the king. And that means that rather than having a king, Zerubbabel is only a governor. So that's the kind of political situation that's going on. That's great. That's very helpful. Um, what else? Uh, what's, what's the situation? There? That, that's kind of the political setup. What's the spiritual state of God's people in Haggai? Any thoughts on that?
that's a great word for Margaret, lethargic. So they don't have a temple. Pretty disastrous for them not to not have a temple and the one place they can go and worship God. And yet, no sense of urgency to sort that problem out. So the temple's been destroyed. God's people are back in the land. But this lethargy seems to have creeped in. Anything, any other comments to make on their spiritual state? Go on, tell me more. Not experiencing God's blessing, why not? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you get this stuff in what Tom was highlighting there. Uh, one, so one verses uh, five and six. Uh, you've sown much and harvested little, you eat, but you never have enough. You clothe yourselves, no one is warm. So they're not being blessed. Does anyone want to go a step further than that? What, what's actually happening in all those things? Right. How do we know that, Grace? Yes, absolutely. So 2.17, God says, I struck you. And as well, earlier in chapter 1, uh, a bit later than those first uh, things that we read, verse 9, when you brought it home, I blew it away. Verse 11, I have called for a joint on the land. So not only are they not experiencing God's blessing, actually the opposite is true. They're currently under covenant curse. In Deuteronomy, if you read uh, some of the laws that like, kind of relate to this, these are the kinds of things that God says he will allow to happen if the people break the covenant. Break my covenant, what's going to happen? Famine, drought, lack of blessing, curse. It's the, the list transfers almost exactly maps onto what's happening in Haggai. So the people have experienced covenant curse. Okay, it's a quite a sobering thing. It, does anyone want, like, so we're getting some of the details here. It like, sounds like it could be quite a depressing book. Does anyone want to share anything which might give the people then a bit of hope? What is God wanting to say to the people through the book of Haggai? Hmm. Yeah, that's brilliant. Fear not. That's so key, isn't it? It could be a really depressing book. God tells them not to be afraid. Brilliant. That's, that's good news already. Great start. Anything else? Mm. Amazing. All these promises that God is still with them, in spite of the fact that they're under curse. He's not abandoned them. He is keeping his covenant. He remains with them. Amazing. Uh, just one more question, and then I'm going to share a few closing thoughts. What are the major commands? If I were to say to you, what does God want the people to do? What do we notice as we read the text? What does he command them? Mm. 
does. He says it a few times, doesn't he? Consider your ways. Other major commands. Build the house. Yep. Get on with it. Work. Yep. Paul says to me all the time. (laughs) Be strong. That's what Paul says to me all the time. Okay, good. We're starting, we're, we're getting a bit of a sense of what's going on then. Uh, let, me, let me share some closing thoughts with you. In terms of, next slide, major sections of the book, I don't know if you noticed this, we've got these four distinct prophecies. Uh, someone pointed out there's a gap of time between them. But these time markers are also connected with this repeated phrase, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, one one two one two ten two twenty. Four times God speaks directly through Haggai. Four prophecies, and therefore four major sections, making Haggai a great book to teach on a weekend away. Four sessions, ideal. Um, also, in, time, in terms of time marker, we saw this earlier. Next slide. In the second year of Darius the king, Darius the king. That's where we are. Uh, during the, the time of the Persians, post-exile. In the next slide, this timeline of what's going on in the Bible, uh, that second down arrow is where we got to today, uh, the Exodus and Moses, sorry, that's actually the third down arrow. Um, and we in Haggai are further on, so we see that this is a time after Israel has been exiled, after they've returned. Now, I've read a couple of commentaries and got a couple of different answers on this. Uh, Ezra Nehemiah talks about rebuilding the temple as well, and the walls of Jerusalem. That's written just after the people have gone back. Uh, So they've been told to return. They've been commanded to rebuild the temple. And then between 20 and 40 years later, depending on which commentary you listen to, we get the book of Haggai. So quite a long gap between being commanded to go back and build the temple and this time where the temple is still lying in ruins. So one of the questions we ask ourselves is, well, what's going on there? Why, even though they've been back for 20 years, at least, why is the temple still in such a state? Next slide, then. These are the major imperatives in the book. Now, I actually missed one out when I did this. The very important command, as Joy reminded us, to fear not. But these are the major commands, okay? If if we go on to the next slide, take away two of them that only apply to Zerubbabel. Um, speak now, speak now. We're left with these. Then if we go on to the next slide, restructuring them. If you look at just the major commands in Haggai, we get these three at the top. Consider your ways, ask the priests about the law, and consider from this day onwards. Got that one in the middle. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. And then two, actually three at the end. Work for I am with you. Fear not and be strong. So commands to do with consideration and reflection at the top, a major commandment to be active in obedience in the middle, and then three commandments to be reassured of God's presence with them. So tying those things together, if that's what God is commanding through Haggai, consider and reflect and repent, be active in obedience, and be reassured of my presence. Even just by looking at those things, we're starting to get a clearer sense of exactly what Haggai is about. This is a book in which God is drawing his people then to reflect and consider, 
to be active in obedience and to be reassured of his presence with them. So I don't know if you guys came up with a summary sentence for all of Haggai, but here's mine on the next slide, and then actually there's another one. What was God saying to them then? I've summarized it like this. God challenges the priorities of the people, explains his judgment of them, and urges them to do the work he has called them to, confident of his promises to bless them in the present and bring about a glorious future with a restored temple and a chosen ruler. Now, there are more things to unpack there. I'll show you why I've gone for restored temple and chosen ruler as we go. But I hope what we see already, even just from looking at some of the major commands, that these are the contours of Haggai. This is a book which, yes, challenges, which, yes, exposes wrong priorities and explains God's judgment. It is also a book which, in, which urges, exhorts the people to be active and to be reassured. So that's what it means for them then, as we close today. Tomorrow we'll start to think about exactly what that means for us today, living in a very different time, obviously without the Jerusalem temple. What, what, what can we take from these contours and apply to our lives today? That is something we will think about tomorrow. So good work. Thank you for your uh, careful reading of the text and good questions, and I'll see if I can answer any of these as we go. Uh, but now it's lunchtime, so let me pray, and then uh, we'll break for lunch. Our Father, we thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for how you speak to us through it, even in such a short time. And we pray that as we uh, study Haggai in more depth, that you would be drawing us to consider our ways, that you'd be drawing us to active obedience where that's lacking, and that you'd be drawing us to be deeply reassured of your presence with us. And we pray now as we go into lunch that you would bless the food that we are about to enjoy, that you would bless it to our use and draw us to thanksgiving for all that you've provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So quarter past two, we'll start our next session. Nip out and get some lunch if you have to, and uh, enjoy it.